Why, hello, welcome to episode number 300 of the Apologue Podcast. I am your host, Simon Head. 300 episodes, everybody. I never thought I would do 100, but here we are at 300, six and a half years later, still going strong, still putting out shows, still enjoying what I'm doing, and still getting some nice feedback from the people that listen to it. This podcast is brought to you in part by AIXDSP.com. Get affordable and useful plugins for your digital audio workstation. Check out the IC Intuition Compressor. It's a compressor that gives you a clear and intuitive visual display that shows exactly what is happening to your audio at all times. Click the link in the description for more information. As of this episode, the momentous uh, 300th episode, I'm not dealing with Amazon anymore. I am sick and tired of the affiliate program. It is a pain in my ass, and I am finished. Amazon, I will gladly go buy pointless things off your website, but I will not deal with this malarkey. It's malarkey. Anyways, if you want to support my show in other ways, you can go to patreon.com slash and pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and gas fees. Cancel at any time. Go buy a t-shirt. Go buy a t-shirt at apologue.ca slash shop. iTunes, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and re- review the show. Uh, give it five stars, please. Like and share on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Pod and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SimonHead666. Today on the show, I have Mr. Stephen Rawls, <clears throat> who is the lead singer, principal songwriter for the band Belvedere. Belvedere, I know Belvedere. I've known Belvedere for well over 20 years because we'll talk about it, but um, I used to do this Insight Recorders mobile recording Thing. I traveled all over Canada, and part of it was being in Calgary, where I recorded some very, very early Belvedere. Yeah, so that's how far back we go. I go back with this band. But uh, Belvedere, they're putting out a new record. They've had some member changes, and they have a new full-length that's out now called Hindsight is the Sixth Sense. came out May 14th. It's on, oh yeah, Thousand Islands Records. Yeah, what can I say? Great songs, a good band, good, nice Canadian boys. I really appreciate guys like Steve taking taking time to um, help me out and help the show out. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Stephen Rawls from the band Belvedere on the Apple Out Podcast. You know, it's been um, five years since yesterday, since your first time on the show. 2016. Yeah, that's right. With with the last record and approximately 30 years um, almost <laughs> that we probably met each other. <laughs> that's true, too. Yeah. No, well, actually, 25. Mm-hmm. I think we met around 94, 95, right? Yeah. Yeah. That you were the you were the first uh, recording person I think I'd ever met. Yeah. When you were doing uh, Simon's Traveling Recording Studio incorporated yes absolutely i was i almost moved to calgary because of all the awesome bands in calgary and how busy i was and this is before sunday sound by the way sunday Mm -hmm. sound started and that's kind of what sort of went i'm not going to go there to you know what i mean like they got it yeah they do pretty good job there (laughs) 
yeah but yeah. i always i thought it was cool and like i like i say i was very new to recording at the time and i just thought it was amazing that you could travel across canada with your rig and just kind of set up in people's houses and that's ultimately like you know when we did our first recordings you did it in a house yeah that was because of snfu too by the way because i'd meet cool bands and cool people and i'd say Hey, I'm coming through town, or I was thinking about coming through town, and if you know any bands, then I'll record your band for a better deal if you find me more bands to record. And it was like this weird little, yeah, it was this weird little juggernaut. It, it was like, I could have done it indefinitely, but I, I've met a girl, and I'm like, I'm not, you yep. know, living on people's couches 24-7 just wasn't really like, wasn't in the, it wasn't in the books, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that. Yeah. So yeah, twenty five years, man. Life is. Uh, we're different. Like you, you don't look different, but do you feel different? Thank you for saying that. Um, but I, yes, I definitely do feel different, and you look great yourself. I feel old. I feel old and broken. Like <laughs> I try to keep fit, and I try to keep walking, and I try to keep active. Do you do like a regiment that sort of stuff? I do. Um, you know, I'm probably. Um, I, I'm probably at it more now than I was in my 20s uh, when you sort of take things for granted and you think that you're invincible. Um, now, I, I've been, it's probably the better part of 10 years that I've been running at least a few times a week. Um, my wife and I kind of got started on that. And uh, we go through phases, of course. Sometimes we'll do a bunch more and sometimes we won't do anything for a couple of weeks, especially with the weather. Um, but it's something we do enjoy. It is. You know, I, I do. I, I've been riding bikes and trying to you know keep active because you know i i'm 50 and i really mm -hmm. feel 50 now you know and so i i also get like the same thing it's like it's amazing how you do one and it goes oh i'm just gonna keep doing it and then after a week or so you have you know if there's a couple of days gone by we haven't done anything you're like oh, i want to you know sort of it's amazing how we adapt as humans to try to like yeah to fill you know to fill that sort of need it, yeah walk. for sure and you know and and i remember I remember hitting 30 and it kind of hit me like a brick wall. And I remember hitting 35 and it kind of felt like that too. 40 didn't feel that bad. And I think it was because that I'd taken that kind of stuff a little more seriously. And just for my head and just sort of spirit, in addition to, to physically, it, it just makes me feel a lot better. So yeah. um, I'm able to, to have some clarity when I have when I have a lot of things that come at me. Yeah, 27 was a hard year for me. I was like, God, I'm almost 30. I'm mm -hmm. <laughs> coming yeah. in. That's, that's when I started getting the grays was at 2027 20, and it was a slow, slow grind, but uh, it soon turned to more salt than pepper. <laughs> well, I thought I was going to go bald. Like I, I really did. I thought at 27, but my hairline hasn't changed in like since I was 27. But there was this yeah, time where yeah. it was like it was going. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going to lose my hair. Like this is going to happen. <laughs> and, you know, it's still still there, you know, still hanging on by a thread. That's awesome. Literally Good for you. Yeah, man. Well, I, I feel like you've gotten over the hump. So that's, I do that's too. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm like yeah. fully. See, I've grown a beard. Guy, it's my COVID beard. But it, for a while, it was dark on one side and light on the other, and I looked yeah. like a weird, like hobo art exhibit <laughs> kind of. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, man, this record. I've been listening to it. It is. It is. It's busy. It's fucking intense. Any difference from like the past five years? Like. Yeah, I mean, you know, just uh, in terms of the band, there's uh, uh, Jay and Scott parted. We parted ways with them a couple of years ago, um, and they'd been with the band since the '90s, and uh, that was a big blow and something that you know Casey and I had to kind of talk with each other and go, okay, do we want to keep going with this stuff? And 
And then we, you know, it took a little while. We had a little search for for a guitar player and a bass player, not only somebody that could play the old tunes, but somebody that we could we could collaborate and write with. Mm -hmm. My best work, and I think Casey does too, when he when we're able to kind of all work together. And so, um, yeah, that was kind of a big thing. And uh, so, you know, we did get over that hump and and found the band members that we wanted to play with. And then we had ultimately set up to to do a bunch of shows last year. We were going to do about 100 shows, which uh, uh, we had the uh, the hook pulled on us there in the uh, end of March or middle of March. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we just got going. We just got to work. And so, um, yeah, there has been a lot of changes. But, um, you know, what we came up with that I'm really proud of, and it's and it's something we put a lot of time and effort into, and um, and I'm excited to, to take the next step. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's, Every record feels like should be a progression in in one's uh, artistic and you know expression and all that other stuff. But it's it's really you know when you raise you know you got that bar at that certain level and then it's like trying to one up it is it must be incredibly difficult. That's why it you know it takes longer to make a record or like do you find do you not put those pressures in, into your head to like do you not get in your head to to surpass what you've done or does it matter it, it, well in this record in particular because we lost two members that have been around for a long time and you know very major songwriters in the band too um that was in my head for a little while and even before we could really get going i kind of had to need i had to get over that and just have confidence in what i do and what casey does and what we wanted to do as a band once the first few songs started to come out i felt there was some magic there and you know some stuff came a little quicker than others some stuff we had to really refine and take our time and do different you know sort of versions of but um i think this record more than any anyone that we've done before we had the time to listen and to we made sure we got it right it wasn't uh well you know we had to do our best here because we got a touring cycle coming up or you know we've got this deadline or this studio needs this because they need to mix it and it was just it was all you know casey and i produced it we you know, he did all the mixing and engineering in his studio. And we just said, this is until we were ready to sign off on it. And it didn't go out. Yeah. And I guess if, if there's no, no like pressure from I mean, the only pressure you put against is yourself, you know, because you have to put a yeah. deadline on things. The, the one thing I've found very, very incredibly difficult as a musician is to find an end, an end date and, you know, to, and yeah. try to actually commit to like a timeline. And I never have. Sure. In years now, like I've never met, I think I met one deadline because we were going on tour and it had to be finished. But yeah. turns out it didn't really matter. It's like, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, I just put it yeah, all I in. I mean, ultimately, ultimately, when you make these records, they're just a snapshot of where you are at the time, right? And, um, you know, you've seen the transition. You've been around a long time and you've seen the transition from from analog to digital. And you've seen the sort of iterations of that. And I think... You know, we definitely have a lot more in our back pockets now as far as what we can do with music. But ultimately, you don't want it to sound so produced that it doesn't sound like your band or like, you know, a punk band. Right. Yeah. And so that's that the, for me, that's the challenge is that you want to you want things to be right in your head. You have sort of this level or bar that you think is sort of where it crosses the perfect line for you. But at the same time, it has to have the energy and the magic that that, you know, makes this kind of music fun to listen to. Um, so it is a challenge, but, um, you know, we're, we're very, we're very fortunate that we have a studio that we can, we can sort of bounce this stuff off of. Yeah. You know, a lot of people do have that now. And I think if you use it wisely, you, 
some great art could be made on your own. You know what I mean? Like there is something to be said about going to a studio and, you know, clocks ticking and got somebody getting you coffee and, you know, there's a thing happening, but it's something you, it, we, we glamorize that type of life now. It was like, we went to metalwork studio and recorded a record. It's like, yeah, I wasted $800 a day. And we spent the next 10 years paying for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, whether or not, yeah, whether you paid for it or a label paid for it, you're still yeah. paying for it. Yeah, and it's, yeah. now I feel, and you know, like I said, if you use it wisely, you say like, oh, I have this time that I can take to, to you know, and it's so hard, we're, we're both dads, you know what I mean? You're, you're, your kid's younger than my two, but, but mm-hmm. do you have to carve out time to be a musician? And like, yeah. do you find it hard? Because when you're a punk rock musician, there is a lot of like selfish, selfish, selfishness going on in, in, you know, because it's your identity, it's who you are, but kids is a tough thing to try to navigate through because they don't give a fuck what band you played in. No. They don't, they don't care. You know, no. they just want your love. No. Do you find, do you have to like get yourself in, in the, in a mode or is that just who you are now? I'm very lucky in that I met, I met a woman that is very supportive and, not only supportive of me going on tour and doing this stuff, but actually has joined me on, on, and not just for a free vacation, but, you know, out there slinging t-shirts, you know, yeah. at Rose Rock in Belgium and stuff, you know, she's been to South America, she's been to Japan, she's been to Europe a bunch, and she's done a lot of this stuff on her own backpacking too. So she really gets the whole travel bug that I have. Um, so once we had a kid, it was kind of an easier transition. You know, it was tough when he was younger. I had to really kind of space things out. And luckily at the time we weren't touring that much, but, you know, I remember we went down to, we went down to South America with Lagwagon and it was a dream tour for me. There was no way I was turning it down, but you know, being away for that 12 days was really hard because my son was only eight or nine months at the time. And yeah. so you kind of come back and he kind of, you can see that flicker like, Oh yeah, dad. <laughs> and it was only 12 days and he was just a baby, you know? So it, it hit me, but so it has to just kind of be this sort of, you know, it, it definitely has to be, you can't have it one way or the other. Like I'm not going to go on tour 200 days of the year and I'm not going to stop touring. So I just got to find that sweet spot. And in addition, as he gets older, my son's five and a half now, you know, he's seen us play on main stage at girls rock. He saw us play at a beer festival in Kelowna beer and, and tattoo festival. Mm-hmm. And, you know, which is cool because those things are all ages, which in, if he's getting, you know, obviously he can't come and watch us here in a club at one o'clock in the morning. So, yeah. um, I'm hoping as time goes on, you know, the next time we go to Japan, I want to have him there so we can go a few days ahead of time and maybe go see Tokyo Disney or go see a baseball game or, you know, I want to make it fun. And and I'm hoping as time goes on, as I get older, that I'm able to sort of slowly pass that torch off, you know, okay, son, this is how you wrap a chord. This is how you change a guitar <laughs> string, you know? <laughs> um, That's amazing. I've, I've now learned, and you've known me, my most of my music life, my adult music life, uh, it's in my blood and I, it's not going away. So I, I think it's just best to embrace it. Oh man. That's so funny. You say that because I, I I have a, I have a 18 year old now and a 14 year old and uh, he has gone out with like on video shoots and stuff with me. And it's, it Mm -hmm. is exciting. And we're taking a road trip. We're coming. I think we're going to be out that way in August because he's going to college. So we're going to take this road trip across Canada and and take, take a drive. And it is something definitely like as an as I get old as I get older, if I went on tour, I want to go see more stuff. The playing part seems to be subsidiary, and I'm, unfortunately, I, I know that's not the case. But for me, that's the way that's the way it is for me. It's like oh, the playing part—that's why I'm here. But 
I really want to go and look at this church or go look at this thing and go enjoy my surroundings because you never did right when you're traveling in Europe as as a as a young you know as a late as a twenty year old mm-hmm. you don't you don't see those things you, you're always like gone you know yeah no you're right and like we're still a very much like a, a van you know band right so we we do we have done a few bus tours but you know they are few and far between but i will say that it is nice you know waking up in front of a venue you know in a different country at noon every day and then yeah. getting that four or five hours to go and do your sightseeing before it's sound check so yeah. we don't normally get to do that so i am trying to be a little better with days off and stuff and not grind us 40 days in a row i like to yeah. you know at least save the voice a bit and 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 try to to see a few things because i i'd been to rome four times before i'd ever seen the Colosseum, and that's sad yeah, yeah, I had to fly to Rome because of uh, 2010 with the volcano issue. So yeah. I flew to Rome because that was the only place taking flights. Mm-hmm. So I had to take a train up to Milan, and then we went and did two shows. But um, yeah, I'm in, in the Iceland, same. Right? Was that? That was the Iceland. Yeah, yeah I, I was over there in Europe when that happened. Really? Where were you? Did you do Gros Rock? I did. Yeah, we 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 did. Um, so my other band, this is a standoff, was yeah. touring at that time. And we were over there and I remember like it was two, it was a couple weeks before and all of a sudden like that, a lot of headliners had to pull out. And I remember Millen jumped in there to try and help out because they were from Sweden and, and they had to do a lot of juggling. I know that was really stressful for them that year. I almost got my band Foursquare on Grows Rock for that reason. Um, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because we were playing with Sum 41. We did two shows with them and I mm-hmm. put the, put this band together in Italy and we we practiced for like an hour. Then our first show was in Munich. So we drove basically from Milan to Munich, did one show, and they made Lux- Luxembourg. And all the time, I'm trying to get us onto Gros Rock. And because uh, we played it. And that's so funny that in 2004, I think Foursquare played the same day as Belvedere at Gros Rock. That that's right. Well, yeah, it was 2003 or 2004. That was the Four. first year that we played. And it was it was one kind of big stage, right? Yeah. And it was like, it was a good size. I totally remember this now. Yeah, like, yeah. Sick of it all played yep. and Pulley and the Mad Caddies. I remember yeah. this. Yeah. We were the first band on that day. Yeah, we, we we ended up, we had to do that whole tour of filling in for Trigger Happy. And we were on tour with Tenfold right. Pole. And Pole, right. So we ended, up, we ended up playing every show, like saying, we're not Trigger Happy, just so you know. And like, yeah. don't get confused. I'm not an angry, uh, angry man up here. I'm, I I love you all, and uh, you know, I'm yeah. not going to spit at you. Please don't spit at me. It's so funny because like I I actually remember that day very vividly, and I actually had no idea the size. I mean, Girls Rock became massive after that, but but even at that time there was four, three or four thousand people there, and and I had no idea how big it was, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was kind of our. We had done two European tours, and that was our third one. And, um, I remember, I remember Dennis from 10 foot pole gave me a cord. Cause I didn't ha- I lost my cord the night before. I'm like, dude, I'm about to go on this show. And he's like, Oh yeah, here, give me, like, he was always great about oh, that stuff. Oh yeah. And Dennis. Then, yeah. And, uh, and Dennis, you know, he's like, you know, he's, he knows his stuff with, with live sound and he's always ready for everything. Right. So, um, but I, I vividly remember that day, but anyways, yeah, long story short, that's, that's awesome. And, um, yeah, yeah what a small world. I think I ran into, I can't remember who it was, but they had a bottle of absinthe. Um, mm-hmm. and that was like the end of the night and, uh, we were leaving that night or we were, I can't remember what happened cause I was pretty, pretty wasted, but we ended mm-hmm. up leaving and we ran into, I don't know if I even saw your face. Cause I was like walking around in the dark and then I saw, I think I saw Jay. I can't remember mm-hmm. who it was, but it was, it was like, we're leaving. And we're like, fuck, where you been? Yeah. And I was like, 
I was like, couldn't find anybody. I was just walking around all day. But that was, yeah, that was a special, you know, because I woke up in a field, same thing in a bus. I'm like mm-hmm. looking out like, oh, where are we? Oh, there's the stage. Yep. Okay, good. We're not lost. We're not stuck. This is all going to work out. And two guys from Bad Taste came down to help sell records. And they got fucking even more wasted than everybody. I don't know where they went. They disappeared. And it was like, yeah, that was a, yeah. That was our, was that our second tour of Europe? That was second tour of Europe. Yeah. Special time. Something about Belgium, man. It's, I get I get hammered every time I go to Belgium <sighs> festival or clubs. I it's I always have to watch where I'm, what I'm doing that night for sure. Well, is that there was that bar tent that was off to the side that yeah. I think we just stayed there the whole time, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that was yeah. Sick of it all. Sick of it all was like, oh, who was um the other hardcore band that was on the like they're like the big burly dudes. Um, mm. I can't remember. But yeah, Sick of It All was so good. I almost worked for Sick of It All, actually, because I toured with Good Riddance and they were going to mm-hmm. take me on tour with them. And it was like, I didn't know I was afraid of them a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when, but then when you get to know them, you realize. Such sweethearts. Yeah. 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 So um, speaking of the, how, the voice, how is the voice? Like, like when you travel, like how, how does it handle? Because you're pretty, you're pretty intense, like with the strain. Do you, have you managed to save it? Yeah, I'm I'm really lucky. I know I I can I kind of hear it in in some people that are you know kind of around my age that haven't that have really been cranking it out. Um, I did that a lot, you know, in in my teens and twenties. I just kind of got up there and just started blasting and no warming up or anything. But when I when I stopped Belvedere, I was 27. I remember um, I got that Melissa Cross had a Zena screaming uh, DVD, and that kind of changed how I thought about things. So when I started this as a standoff. I think I, by that point, I was really starting to get the hang of warming up, you know, 30, 40 minutes. And then I got very religious about it where I just, I wouldn't go up there unless I had done that. And now it's just a process that I just sort of space out over the day. I do about 10 or 15 minutes, three times throughout the day leading up to it. And it's just a, you know, everything from very small stuff in the morning to, you know, a little bit more strenuous. And and then usually by the time I'm, I go out, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. And I think because of that, um i'm lucky that i've been able to sort of maintain things so far you know so so far but definitely sleep and keeping it you know keeping the booze a little bit in check and and um and definitely warming up warming up and sleeping is the biggest one yeah everybody's got remedies and all that stuff but one thing that i learned is don't talk during the daytime and so it can be troublesome because i'm a pretty talkative person and i do love chatting with people um but sometimes i do get down to you know post it notes in the van yeah. Yeah. I, I, when we practiced two or three times a week, it became easier to do tours of periods of time, you know, cause I was yeah. just, I, it wasn't a problem. But when we went and did two shows, the second show, my voice was trashed. It was like, yeah, we couldn't have done gross rock, even if we wanted to, you know what I mean? Right. It's like, we couldn't have done right. it. But I, yeah, I definitely, my, I don't, you know, because you feel that when you hear people who are older and you they, you feel that there's some like a little waiver or there's something that's just not controlled enough. And you're like, does that, you know, it's something to do with age, you know what I mean? Like, you know, but I, I find my tone still kind of is similar. In fact, I can control it better. I think that's something as we get older, we learn how to use with what we got. Yeah, well, I agree. And and one thing too is I got I got onto the inner ear monitors about three or four years ago, and that that was another you know tool in the toolbox. And it didn't do everything, but it it taught me how to between 
you know, the vocal exercises I learned and the techniques I'd learned, it taught me to kind of give a hundred hundred percent at 70%. Yeah. You yeah. know? And yeah. so not only was I more consistent in terms of volume, which is, you know, for a, a front of house guy, you like to not have to ride that vocal mic all the time. Right. So yeah. it's, you know, I've been able to be more consistent volume wise, but also not, um, not strain my voice now, you know, because we haven't toured a lot because other than the recording in December, I haven't had to, that, that's one thing I notice is even when I'm at home, I need to keep a regiment of, of singing and practicing even when we're not on tour, because if I don't, I need a good solid two or three weeks before I go on tour to slowly mm. build up to that again. Otherwise I will not be, I will become super Dave Osborne in that second or third show. <laughs> um, you really do have to like, you know, it's like, you can't just go in there and bench press 200 pounds. You have to start at 50 and work your way up. Right. Yeah. And if you haven't been singing for six months, it's like some of us haven't, um, you can't just, just get going right away. You have to work up to it. And if you know that you can plan for it, but if you think you've got it, <laughs> then you might be in for a, a shock. Yeah, I do notice with the in-ears that you can control things easier. And I would oversing. What my my trick was just put one um, foam bud, just a foam thing, and then the vibration of my head would sort of keep me in check. Yeah. But it's always like, and then you're trying to sleep, and one ear's completely blown out, and the other ones, it's like it, it's very disconcerting. But but yeah. definitely oversinging is the worst thing. And and I think that's what I was trying to like. As you get older, you sort of, sort of learn to say, well, I'm not going to, you know, I know when to push and I know when not to push and I know when to pull back, you know, and you look at like a guy like Greg Graffin and he isn't, there's nothing wrong with his voice. And he's been singing that way for 40 years, 40, yeah. most likely 40 plus years. In fact, his voice, and, and, I think has gotten better. And you know what I like about him is, is that he still sounds youthful, you know, like he doesn't sound like he was when he was 20, but there is still that youthfulness to his voice where, you know, I can tell when people have really, uh, when age has been tougher on the voice than, than maybe others. And, and I think you obviously can hear that too. Yeah. So that's somebody that takes care of themselves. I think, yeah. I think his voice has gotten better. Like if you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Listen to the first record. You're like, he sounds like a kid kind of sm like snarly kid, but now he's like, mm -hmm. he can really, you know, capture it. The other one that blew my mind was listening to Milo because Milo they don't yeah. really practice, you know what I mean? They all live in different parts of America. And then we did, I did two shows with him in Toronto and uh, Montebello. <clears throat> and his voice, he came out and I'm like, two songs in, I'm like, I don't know if he's going to make it. It sounds like he's starting to break up. And then it got better. It's yeah. like, un, like, I've never, ever seen anybody blow their voice out after two songs to be able to pull it back. And you know what I mean? And his voice sounds yeah. even better at the end of the end of the show. And you didn't, at, when you spoke at the end of the night, it's like, Hey man, how you doing? It was like, yep. How is that possible? Especially with the length of their sets too. Cause they've obviously got a lot of music to get through. And, and I, I was really impressed with that too. Yeah. But the last time we saw them there, it was uh, in Calgary. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So are you uh, planning on any, uh, I guess we got to let the world get back to normal, but are you, are you, mm -hmm. People are planning for stuff in the fall, or is that what you guys are thinking about? Yeah, I mean, I, I've like I said, we had about a hundred shows, and in addition to Belvedere, um, I, I have a booking agency, so I probably have about three hundred shows that are sort of hanging up there in the air right now. And some I've booked now three times over, and you know, the the optimistic booking agent trying to make things happen. But as as we we get into this fall, I'm hoping that depending on the country, that some things will start to happen. I have some some UK bands that are are likely going to have some things going here in the late summer and early fall. 
and then it's just going to be a matter of um you know so if, if we we've sort of pushed some belvedere stuff uh we've got a, a 40 day i put together two tours that were canceled and put it into a 40 day sort of club show extravaganza in the uk and europe there in november and december and, and i'm probably 50 50 on it so if that doesn't work, then we'll push it to next April around some festivals that we have to reschedule, and then we'll just go from there. Yeah, I think Germany is opening up, and they actually like they have to prove uh, you have to prove that you've been inoculated yeah. to to be able to go to the show or buy a ticket. I I think you know that's going to be the new way because I, I I I work at a theater, and I think there needs to be some sort of proof of mm-hmm. hey, I'm vaccinated. Are you vaccinated? You got one in. I got, I, we, yeah, we all got one shot now. Yeah, me too. We're just waiting for another two. So. It's exciting, man. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's good, you know, and like it's, um, absolutely that's the way it's going to go. And if, you know, as far as travel goes, I mean, you're right. You're not going to get on a plane overseas or they're not going to take you. So, I mean, whether you believe it or not, you got to, you know, if you want to be in a band and tour in Europe, then you're going to have to jump on board, I guess. I don't know. So, you know, and, and, you know, that's just, that's just to get on a plane. Then you get there and how are you going to play in these clubs and stuff? So yeah, I mean, if, yeah, absolutely. As soon as, the, as soon as we could, we we got it. Yeah. I think that I find it very fascinating how quiet the anti-vaxxers are on Facebook now. Like it's, and it will, and it will get quieter. It's quiet. It's, it's <laughs> peaceful quiet because you well, know, I, I live in Alberta. It's not that quiet Oh, <laughs> <laughs> on Facebook or just in general. I I have a I have an echo chamber of people, so I don't I don't really hear it too much. But yeah, yeah. if you jump on whatever political conservative Jason Kenny or whatever, you go on their 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 um, Facebook. It can be a bit of a cesspool. So, well, I think I found this one person who was a complete. It had to be a bot because um, I have this guy I used to work with. He got it vaccinated, and then this person that I was like you know, you, why are you taking that garbage and start, that was like the first time I ever seen somebody really get like angry about the vaccination. So I'm like, check out this person's Facebook. And it's like, God bless America. And it's like, it looks too fake to be real. Like it looks too weird. And all the posts are like super right wing conservative, like nutty stuff. And I'm like, this is over the top. He's trying too hard. Like this can't be a real person. Like you know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's no way that somebody would have this much hate towards certain things, but and be allowed on you know, Facebook. I mean, this is this is my personal feeling. Is I've I've been I've had vaccines my whole life. I've spent a lot of time in South America, and you don't get into countries without certain kinds of vaccines. So yeah, I've been I've been yellow fevered a few times. That's how I got into Venezuela. That's how I got into Colombia. You you know, that's that's then don't come if you don't want to get it. So. Um, as a touring musician, I think most of us, you know, are probably in that camp. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I've been trying to do this thing, this project that involves traveling, but I've had to hire people in other countries and to, to do the thing I want them to do. So at the end of it all, it's cheaper because I don't need to go there. I guess that's a, that's a bonus. You know, I could stay home, watch TV and, you know get on a you know facebook chat or whatever and and do the thing uh, i'm doing a documentary on lowest of the low so uh can cool. yeah so it's been this fun um year almost a year of just researching and video and taping and yeah it's ex- you know it's pretty cool stuff um That's great. yeah man so you yeah man you it just like this let's hear a song because i actually have some, i have the whole record here is it 
it's just okay, right? I can play this, right? You oh, sent yeah. it to me. <laughs> so I'm going to play it. <laughs> I'm going to play the ideas. That's it. So you were you were in Toronto in 2019. I didn't know about that. I don't think, or maybe mm-hmm. I did. I can't remember. Yeah, we did. Um, it was fun because um, we have a lot of history with the surfers, and they were the first band to bring us to Europe. And I always said I would. And you know, they've done some stuff in Canada, but they haven't done a full Canadian tour since '06. And um, so I said, oh, you know, I was starting up this booking agency, and. And so I brought them over for 10 dates. And so it was a bit of a, it was a whirlwind. It was like Vancouver, flight, Calgary, Edmonton, flight, Toronto, and then like all of Quebec and, and Ontario. And, but it was super fun. And um, what a blast with those guys. Just, um, yeah, just, just the sweet, sweetest guys. The Swedish guys. They're the, the Swedish, Swedish Swedes. The Swedish Swedes. Yeah. We were on the same label as them for a while. Mm-hmm, yep. Yeah, two records. Yeah. 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 The whole bad, the whole bad tasting in there. Yeah. Actually, the Martin was our tour manager on our first tour, and uh, oh no way! Yeah, Martin Svensson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, he uh, was playing for he was playing for the Surfers. Um, uh, this well, this was oh two that mm-hmm. we did Canada, and then and then in Europe too. And I t- I talked to him somewhat often because he he was in Venaria, and I booked Venarias. Yeah, so yeah. Um, 
we do have a yeah i was pleasantly surprised when he came out of the woodwork again and now we got to catch up a little bit yeah we called him marmar and he uh he we called him u-turn as well because he did a lot of u-turns it's very funny for a guy who toured all over europe he didn't know where any of the clubs were so i thought that was pretty funny pretty funny Good yeah, name. I remember touring Europe before GPS. They were miserable times. I, oh I say that's part of part of why Belvedere broke up was because of that extra <laughs> hour or two every every day of finding the venue. Well, I figured it out. I figured it out, but it took me a long time to figure it out. So when you go into a European town, you follow these ring roads, and there's a series of roads mm-hmm. that go around in circle, but they're just enough of a circle you don't realize you're going in a circle. So what you yeah. do is you follow I didn't know this, but there's like an literally like a yellow or an orange line painted in the road that you follow. And that's how you know, because if even if you try to get MapQuest, remember MapQuest would be like yeah. all written down? Well, when you mm-hmm. drive into, it's always making left-hand turns if you're heading in one direction, if, or you're always making right turns if you're heading in the other direction. So what I learned is like, just ignore everything and look at the yellow or green or orange line on the road. And, uh, that's amazing. and in Germany, ignore the Strasse part. Cause that's the part you don't need to look at. Cause that's, that's right. Yeah. With the weird B <laughs> and, uh, but GPS, I think I've told the story before, but a few times, but main stage in Munich backstage, mm-hmm. sorry, backstage. backstage. So w- it, the first time we went there, we were opening for the week of the ends and we got so lost that we had to literally load our stuff on stage and play. That's how late we were. Yeah. We were three hours late. We missed everything. So we got there. And second time, we had to hire a cab to take us there. It took three hours. And then the third time, I went there with this band with a GPS. And we got there in five minutes off the highway. Yeah. I was so it, mad. It changed, it changed everything. And yeah. Oh, boy. I think of the time that my life I wasted. But then, you know, when I, when I first came in with GP, when I first got GPS, it was the second standoff tour over to Europe. And, it, and I didn't, re- I took it as like, this thing will take you exactly where you want. And it doesn't always like, Mm -hmm. I remember we got off the highway and we stopped at a gas station to fill up and I was waiting for it to get us back on the highway. I should have just turned around and got back on the highway and then it would have synced up. It took us on these secondary roads through the Pyrenees and we stopped. There was snow and no tracks coming down. We were up the side of a mountain and I had 18 point tour the 18 point turn this sprinter back and go all the way back down to the gas station. We lost like two hours. (laughs) And we get to we get to Zaragoza, Spain, and we had action men on tour with us. And they're like, Oh my God, we thought you were dead. We're like, we thought we were gonna die too. <laughs> and after that, I'll I'll always follow the GPS, but I won't follow it off the cliff, that's for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, there was a funny moment we're driving into Leipzig and we actually had the map quest and our our booking agent printed it out and it was like a two inch thick Bible of directions. So we're yeah. driving and I'm like so everyone, we would get lost and fun. We just rip that part of the thing out and throw it out. And they're like, we're done. We yeah. can't, we're, we'll find this. We're going to go blind. And so we're getting it and we're taking off the marks and we're like, oh my God. And then we get to the spot where it's like the center of town and we can see like the venue. And we're like, it's right there. We did it. And then all of a sudden the roads closed and we're like, fuck. Yeah. So then we That's had South to- France. Make Dude, a right. South France is the worst. Yeah, that make a right. Now make a left. Oh my god! And then we got we got completely lost, <laughs> and it was like we could see the venue. We could, but there was like this yeah. um, gate around the whole like area that we couldn't get through, and it was like, oh my god, yeah, so entire, like so frustrating. 
I've definitely been spun around in like Bayonne, France or Lyon. No, Lyon's okay. Bordeaux. Like sometimes like you catch a fat, like they have a, their city festivals. And it's like, if you don't load in at 10 AM, then you're, you're going to have to take your, you know, we'll bring you a trolley and you can, you can, <laughs> you know, go 600 yards that way with, you know, with your gear. It's like, Oh, well, I'm not going to get there by 10 AM. So, you know, and then you get there like, Oh, we should have been here at 10 AM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, you know, and I, I do kind of miss those days, but I, uh, you know, if I tried to put myself, it's like my, my body now wouldn't be able to handle that type of rigorous touring anymore. I don't think, I think I like hotels. I think I like staying in hotels, you know, like, could you do the squat tour again if you had to? You know, I, I, I can dabble in it. And, and, you know, as you know, there's a lot of great squats that are totally set up for bands, yeah. but there are some that are not. And, um, yeah, I, I could I could dabble in it here and there, but as a booking agent, I definitely ask some questions ahead of time just so I kind of know what we're walking into. <laughs> yeah, we stayed at one in Italy where it was like the anniversary, like the 10-year anniversary since we were raided. And you're like, what does that mean? Does, it, does that mean we're going to get raided because it's the 10th anniversary? Yeah. Yeah, that was like the first tour we ever did was like we were touring with Weaker Thans, and mm -hmm. uh, they were fun to tour with. I mean, they're super fun to mm -hmm. tour with. Cam, Cam's the man. Love those guys. Some of, like some of those squats are so good. Like they've got yeah. skate parks in them and restaurants and like what's that one that's in Milan? I, it's not, I don't think it's there anymore. Is it Corcovado? It's like a four thousand. Like that's where Bad Religion would play. You know, like yeah. it was yeah. like a big like four thousand cap place with a you know. And I remember we played the small room once, a little hundred cap room, and it was like holy crap, they have shows here. Like it was crazy. Yeah. Um, but some are yeah, some are set up and, and are amazing. There was one in Bologna we played at with the weaker thans. That was that was the one that was like, yeah, yeah, this could happen. We could get raided, and we're like, so we ended up. I don't think we no, we didn't stay in that same because you could have stayed there, but we ended up getting like out there and staying in a hotel somewhere else. But um, yeah, there, there's the places too, like in Europe, where they're like an old barrack or something from World War II, and they're like yeah. they they charge. It's like city run. And it's like a you know a young person's hangout spot. They put a foosball table, internet, and like a skate ramp, and it's like yeah. utopia for teenagers, right? Like, yeah. that's yeah. that to me is like the part where Europe got it right. You know, they figured yeah. it out for sure. And like, I don't, you know, we've never been like, um, you know, I if I can save on a hotel and you know, have a, a place to sleep in the venue, then and someone hand, you know leaves you a crate of beer when they lock the door, like that's amazing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just need it. I just need a, a comfortable mattress. I don't care <laughs> how much shit's around me as long as like it's you know safe and clean. I don't care. Was that place in Vienna, in Austria? Same thing. It's got like the four or five different venues. It's got the pub. Yeah, it's the uh, outdoor place um, and the indoor. I forget what it's called. The arena. The arena. Yeah, we played two Beautiful. of the three venues on that in that same yeah. place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That the actual little theater kind of. I think the indoor, the larger indoor place. That place mm -hmm. is like oh my god. People have figured it out there, you know, especially with music and art, yeah. you know, and I, I really wish, I think Canada has kind of started to sort of maybe understand how that works, but never will catch up. They'll never catch up to like, I mean, we support artists. We, we have like a government sponsored type of system where, you know, you can apply and get the thing, but mm -hmm. it seems like Europe kind of does it better and more yeah, fluidly. I there's some relaxed laws compared to Canadian laws in terms of, you know, having people stay at your venue. There's a definite like divide between 
running an establishment like that and then having people stay there. There's there's definitely where in Europe, you basically they're allowed to do that. You know, I've sort of found that out as talking more and more to, to club owners here is the reason why we can't put a band room in in 12 bunks is because, you know, if there was ever a fire, we don't have the kind of insurance to you know cover if something really terrible happened. Right. So mm-hmm. um, right. Like places like Cologne at the underground and stuff, they've got, you know, a separate building on the compound that's just for the band. And mm. it's like, there's your rider, there's 12 bunks. You can have two or three bands on tour and stay here. And all you have to do is walk 30 meters from the club. And it's yeah. like, and your gear can stay in the club because we're going to lock it afterwards. And at, you know, everybody goes to bed at four o'clock in the morning. And then like you get up at 11 and the sound guy comes, stumbles in and opens up the gear and you load your shit. Like it's perfect. It's safe for your gear. Nothing gets ripped off. Your van's in a comp in a, in a gated compound. You have all your shit there. Nobody has to go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, underground was, uh, it's gone now. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, Christian, the longtime booker there, unfortunately passed away and he was such a beauty. Um, Oh, really? No, I remember. yeah. 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 That place was like one of those family felt like this place is the shit. It's so good. We yeah. we rolled in. We were supposed to play. What happened? We didn't have a place to stay. We drove into Cologne. I'm like, the only place I know is the underground. Let's go there. And we went to the patio, and the killers were playing like up the road kind of thing. Uh, yeah. the, the other place, forget what the other place was. The place just around the, the corner. Live, the live music hall. Something like yeah. So we ended up like staying in this, and then all these friends of ours ended up coming back from the killers show early because the guy lost his voice. And we got a place to stay. It was like one of those, this is the weirdest experience. We're on the other side of the world. We don't know anybody. We don't know where we're probably going to stay tonight. We might drive out of town and sleep in the van. Mm -hmm. But then we run into some good friends and they gave us places to stay. And I love that place. That was the first place I ever played in Europe was at the underground. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame that it closed down. Just, you know, a typical sort of story is, you know, it lost their lease or whatever, and they wanted to build condo that condos there or something. Yeah. The the, the group, like, because it's the same people that, that worked at the live music hall, which is a 2000 cap room. That's probably the room you were talking about with the killers. But yeah. they opened up another club called Helios 37. And uh, and that's where Christian ended up going to until this last year, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. uh, there's you know, all the people that kind of work there. It's all tied into the same clubs and stuff. And they're great. And they've been, you know, like destiny has been doing shows with those guys for 30 years plus 35 years, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, it, and I love that. I love that. It's like multi-generations of, of promoters and venues and stuff. And it's, it's music is so loved there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you really feel ho- at home when you go to these places. Yeah. Yeah, you do. And especially when you're like, why do I have to travel 6,000 kilometers to feel appreciated? <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. But you guys, you must have some hometown hero uh, vibes in Calgary, right? Like, because that's your home. That's where you've been for all these years. Calgary's always been good to us. Yeah. For sure. And, and um, you know, we, we came up through the all-ages scene. I used to put on countless amount of all-ages shows. Um, I had a record label for, for eight years, and so I put out a lot of bands and stuff. And, uh, you know, once you kind of lost touch a little bit, you didn't have your ear to the ground when we were touring 200-plus shows a year. But, um, you know, the the scene itself has been, has always been good to my band and, and, um, and I, I feel very lucky. Yeah. Scene and scene in general in Calgary has always been good. It's always been good. Pretty yeah. communal. Everybody's like buddies in a way. Like 
I think Calgary, when I was there, the first place I was like, that was like four bands having brunch. You know what I mean? Like that's unheard of yeah. where I'm from. You know, that would never happen. Even in Winnipeg, that wouldn't happen when I lived in Winnipeg, you know. But um, I, I think I think everybody's got their sort of like ideas of that. I think some people don't think the scene's that great here, but I, I've been lucky enough that we've we've had good stuff here. And, and and Edmonton has always been really great, too, in Winnipeg as well. So, I mean, Edmonton and Winnipeg are really good music towns. And, and I like I really like playing there. Um, for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, Edmonton is what, four hours away, three hours away? About three. Yeah. Three. Yeah. So that's like driving for us, drive like. And not Montreal, like Kings, uh, Kingston in a bit, or maybe you know, Toronto to Kingston is three hours. That's doable. You know what I mean? That's doable. And yeah, <clears throat> yeah I, uh, I, I haven't been out there in a long time, but I'm supposed to go out there and talk to Art Bergman, which I think is going to be exciting. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, he's out that way. Well, let's hear a song and then we'll, uh, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? You got a whole fucking record here. Um, you know, I think... I think we should just go for a little ripper called Good Grief Retreat. That was the first single that we released. And it's, it, I think it kind of, when people say like, what does it sound like? Is it sound different? I'm like, just listen to the song. biggest things about putting out a record like this is i want to feel like it actually says something now you yeah. know it's you know when you're kind of writing goofy stuff when you're 
you're kind of writing stuff when you're 18 that you know is kind of goofy and and doesn't have a lot of impact i feel like now especially with having a son and you know putting out this record you sort of um want to put out something that you feel is is you know has a real contribution and something that people will really get into but yeah. i find that my biggest um uh i guess help uh along this process is once we get everything kind of demoed i I wait until it's midnight, in which I don't do very often, but I wait till it's midnight and I sort of have this 12 to 4 a.m. writing window. And I've always done that ever since I was a kid. And it's the only time where I can feel like I can really uh, turn the wheels a little bit, where I don't think that way during the daytime, but I, I, I can get a little bit more abstract and a little, more, a little bit more obscure. And I'll just just throw a bunch of spaghetti at the wall, run a, write a ton of stuff, I'll just, um, you know, make sure that the, that, you know, it, it makes sense and it's got good cadence and it's got good melody and, uh, and good rhyming schemes. And then I, the next morning I kind of get up and go, okay, this was foolish. This is not what I was trying to convey. And then I can edit in the daytime, but if I don't throw stuff down, I'll never get anywhere. So, um, even though my, my schedule now due to being in a family and having a young son and stuff doesn't always work you know, with a 12 to 4 a.m. thing, <laughs> I, I will take, you know, weeks on end and just every couple of every couple of days, um, you know, take that time and make make sure that, I, that I'm disciplined and, and write that and put that down so I can start, you know, writing like that. And, and it's worked out really well for me um, where I don't think I can really write that way in, in a nine to five situation. Yeah, I like that word discipline because it's tough to. Uh... It's tough to walk the line between discipline and commitment and, you know, and, and sort of like trying to mull it all. Like me, I always have problems trying to mull it all in my brain about, is this, is this my passion now or are my kids my passion? I always sort of try to find that line between what I'm passionate about. And songwriting isn't my passion anymore. You know, I love, pod I like doing this podcast. So, you know, I think I've had more excitement doing a podcast than I have been in any real band unfortunately you know but but that's yeah. we all have our own sort of path right we all sort of figure out what we want to do and and the people that stick at it and i always commend the people that stay with it man because it's it's a tough road it's a tough road both literally and figuratively it's it's tough yeah. to 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 navigate your way through it and come out the other end like with sort of your morals intact and your you know your ethics and just you know and obviously it's a tribute to you guys because you're still doing it because a lot of people stop doing it because yeah. they 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 can't handle it or they don't understand that line between being over passionate about it and 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 so you know there's people we know those people that, that stick mm -hmm. with it too much and then go and they get nothing out of it you know and then they end up getting embittered you know, and I, I yeah. read nothing like that from you. I always, you know, everything you've done has always been super positive and I like that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this, this is a good conversation. You know, I, once you've been kind of been doing this for a long time and you got sort of 90, a hundred songs in the catalog, I mean, I guess in theory, you don't really have to write anymore. You can just kind of like burn yourselves out playing all those old tunes. But, you know, I think we, we, we wanted to write something. We had to, had to make a statement. Of course, you know, when half the band leaves, you have to kind of, have to sort of make that statement like yeah. do they still have it and and i wanted to prove it to myself and i wanted to i wanted to create some some really fun new music for the band and uh but of course now you're under the microscope people are analyzing stuff and you know you got to put yourself out there um but i guess you know that's why we took so long with it 
um, maybe nine months isn't long, but we we mm -hmm. we did any revisions and so much going back to it because you know you only get a first one you know one first impression. So we wanted to make sure that it was a good one. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm really proud of it, and uh, I mean I think ultimately we all are, and that's why it got released is because we were excited and and it's not just um, you know it we didn't put out a record. I I feel that was was like oh yeah it's it's pretty good like you know it's another record we wanted to, to to raise the bar and i hope that we did that you know i feel like we did that and and i of course i care what people think but you know you you kind of make it for yourself and and then you then you release it and hope hope it all works out <laughs> yeah well yeah 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 and people are pretty perceptive to uh if you're trying to feed them bullshit they'll be like yeah that sounds like bullshit you know what i mean but if you're honest in what you say in your commitment and people will gravitate to that. You know, I really do. I think, you know, you if you're committed to what you're doing and you really mean what you're saying, I mean, honestly, yeah, I, I, I always appreciate that, you know, with people. They mean what they say, they do what they mean, and and usually yeah. they come out at the end of it. And, and it's like, yeah, like I said, it's a, it's, it's a great record. And uh, I wish you uh, all the success. Let's not wait five years to uh, have you back yeah. on the show. <laughs> Episode eighty one, well, you were on. <laughs> thanks for having me, uh, Simon. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I, I really appreciate that. And you know, someone that I've known for a long time in this industry, it's uh, it's awesome that you're doing this, and uh, it's been a great uh, combo, bud. And that was Mr. Stephen Rawls from the band Belvedere. That was fun. It was a good one. I liked that one. Thank you so much for the three hundredth episode. We didn't get to. Um, pomp and circumstance about the whole thing either. The 300 episodes is um, it's a lot. Even though you look at like, you know, Joe Rogan's done 1600. Mark Maron's done 1200. It is, uh, it is, it is still something that I've done the longest. Well, I mean, bands aside that and, and having kids and being married and uh, having jobs and careers. But apart from all that, it is the longest thing I've ever done in, in my life. <laughs> Here's some answers for you. And so, anyways, what are we going to do for our 301st episode? I don't know. Maybe maybe wait a little bit. And, and so, because I'm still trying to work on this thing that I've yet to even really make known. I mean, the, the, the inner circle knows about this, this uh, documentary I'm doing. And I actually have another one in the works that I want to get started on. But I did, did a little just preliminary research. And it sounds like the one that's probably going to happen next year is going to be, be quite compelling for people. Maybe me too. So, anyways, we hope you have a great week, and thank you so much for listening to this episode. Time and time again, week after week, Amazon can go fuck themselves. I'm finished with them. and uh, But I, like I said, I'll go buy things for my camera from them, and I'll buy cheap, um, I don't know, 3D printing filament or something. I'll make it worth my, I'll make it worth it well. I'll, I'll keep them in business. And this podcast won't suffer without Amazon. Amazon's a bit of a show, it's a bit of a, you know, I don't know, it's a bit of anyways so anyways have a great week we'll see you next week or the week after okay let's say that okay don't call me i'll tell you okay later spike